This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to our acoustic version of the Star Spangled Banner here on KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes in bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming in the rocket's rain
are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at r-a-h-a-r-d-i-n. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and again, I want to thank the Lord and the management of KLRN Radio for this great opportunity to share God's Word with you today. Today I'm going to be sharing with you how you can receive that great grace too that he was just singing about such a beautiful, beautiful song. And when you receive the grace in your heart and, and realize in searching the scriptures what God has done in you and, and how he's changed your heart, there's as beautiful as that song is, it can't express the beauty of the grace that you receive in your heart and know that your eternity is taken care of know that you're a child of God and today the title of broadcast you know just do uh, you know for sure that you're saved now I want to be discussing that uh, in a little more detail in a few minutes because there's so many things that you can you know think of like that but I want to see if I can try to clear that up today are you sure you're a Christian if you've been born into the family of God uh, are you born again? You know, these things are, uh, these words are, you know, saying the same thing. Have you received God's grace in your heart? Uh, he, grace is the word that we use to describe any work of the Spirit of God in our heart. Whether you say like the Holy Spirit or like the Spirit of Christ or Jesus in your heart or however you uh, say that, that work of any of God's Spirit in our heart is what the word grace includes when we say we receive God's grace for salvation. That means we received his spirit into our heart to create and do whatever it is that he does to change us in from, you know, a heart that's empty and full of lust and hate and things like this, or, you know, just even good works 
but to change us in, into the child of God. Like in you know Ezekiel 36, 26, where it says, uh, God speaking through the prophet said, A new heart also will I give you, a new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. Now see, all those different things, there's no way we could ever understand clearly all the things that happen when he does that, when he changes our heart and cleans it up and forgives our sins and removes those old, you know, lusts and things like that out of our heart and it puts in us, you know, his spirit. But that's whatever we're talking about and saying that he did, um, even though we may not understand it, we call it the work of grace. Christ in our heart, God in our heart, the spirit of love in our heart, you know, things like this. Okay. And that's what we must receive. Jesus says in John chapter 3, we must be born again. We must be born of the Spirit into the body of Christ and become a child of God uh, with that new clean heart and Christ, the living Word of God, in us, like Galatians 4, 6 says, and because your sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore you no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then heir of God through Christ. A new creature in Second Corinthians Paul says that we're all new creatures. Behold, the old has passed away and all has become new. And in James 21, it talks about how we're engrafted into the body of Christ. We're, you know, taken, we're like a loose limb or a vine or something like that, you know, broken off from some other tree or something like that. But anyway, we're just a limb out there. And then we're engrafted into the body of another tree, another source for our strength and another source for our well we're engrafted into the family of God uh, James the Apostle James says and then Paul says we're born by the Spirit we're baptized washed cleansed into one body of Christ now and to sum it up in Romans 8 chapter 8 verse 9 the Apostle Paul says now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his see that's a dividing point in our lives from being just a, well, one of God's creature and he loves us with a perfect love you know when we're his creature before we receive his spirit in our heart but we become a child of God a son of God a daughter of God whatever when his spirit comes in us and that's a dividing point like it says in Romans 8 now 9 says now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his and when Christ comes in us Colossians 127 says the mystery of the gospel is Christ in us our hope of glory now, I'm going to be sharing a little more uh, clearly I was going through that in a lot of scriptures there but I want to start over after I tell you a little bit about my website I have so many videos and Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Simply what sin is, is that we're born on this earth with a heart that is void of the Spirit of God. And sin is a separation of the heart from God. So that don't mean you're born, you know, a terrible person or something like that. I've never seen a little baby born, you know, a terrible person that seemed to be, you know, without the spirit of Christ or the spirit of God in a baby's heart, though, what is in the person's heart? Well, first, you know, the baby starts learning from his mother and dad and, and things like this, recognizing their parents and being comfortable with them and, and, parents start teaching them and maybe they have brothers and sisters that teach them things and and this is entering their heart they grown up then and they start you know believing their mom and dad and them know everything and um, you know they do know a lot <laughs> but uh, then they go into like kindergarten and teachers and other children start teaching them things that they've never heard before maybe and then they get on up into you know elementary school and um, start 
visiting more with other neighbors and having sleepovers and having parties and things like this. And, and they start learning the things of the world from all the people around them, whatever neighborhood they're in. And uh, in this then, that's what's in a person's heart. And as a child is growing up, then God starts speaking to that person. Now, it's better if a child grows up and, you know, taught scriptures and things like this as they grow up. But many people I've met today, 25 and 30 years old, um, it's amazing, have never set foot in a church of any kind, and they don't even have Bibles. I've, I've bought Bibles and given Bibles to some like that and um, and shared with them, you know, how to just read and pray and seek like that. But anyway, uh, so when a person gets up, you know, 10, 15, 20 years old, what's in their heart? Well, what's in their heart is from mainly determined from where they've been raised, you know, like in different countries. Uh, some children are raised, you know, just even to become fighters and, and to hate people, even in their youth, you know, at seven, eight, nine years old, things like this. Uh, so what's in a person's heart is is due to the environment they're raised in, they're, you know, like this, aren't just raised as terrible people. They, there's a lot of good, sweet people that are, you know, without Christ in their heart, and and you'll you'd, you'd think just because they're good and everything like that, they must be a Christian and must be godly and everything. But no, it just it doesn't have to be that way. It depends on how they're raised. Uh, there's a lot of people with lust in their hearts. They're raised, you know, wanting money, more money, um, fancy cars and fancy houses and, you know, things like this, fancy trips and stuff, lusting after things like that to satisfy the flesh. And then the flesh, you know, uh, drugs and drinking, smoking and sex and things like this in people's hearts, their evil desires and stuff. And it says in Ephesians chapter uh, two right before you know Ephesians two eight says for by grace are you saved through faith. Well, the first five verses of that chapter tells that we're all that way. We were all that way before we received Christ in our heart. And then uh, they might not even have any God's word. But I was raised in a children's home, a Baptist children's home, where I went to church for nine and a half years. Every time the door was open, you know something like that, I'd be there. So I had I had heard and had in my head a lot of God's word. And I thought I had it in my heart. You know, I thought I was a Christian at nine years old when uh, my aunt told me to go forward. I needed to go forward, either be a Christian or be baptized or something like that. But anyway, I did. I answered the preacher's questions and everything. I love the Lord. I want to, you know, accept the Lord and everything. But see, it wasn't between me and God. It was just between me and my aunt and the preacher. And I was just like joining a club or something and doing the physical requirements to join that club. That's that's all it meant to me. I didn't have understanding of sin or anything between me and God. Um, other things that are in people's hearts, you know, is their love for their or their desire to be near the family, and you know, uh, they can have hate for some people and others. But see, all these things in a person's heart that doesn't have God in their heart, it's just come from the flesh, come from the worldly things. And their relationship with God, then, it's just like the people of the Old Testament at that time. Proverbs 25.10 says, uh, Mercy and truth are all the ways to those that, you know, obey His testaments, covenants in the Old Testament. And Isaiah says that God's love is on them, and God's love, uh, you know, is drawing them to Him. But uh, until they receive Christ in their heart, it's just God's love on the people protection and things like in Romans 4 2 where it says that God blesses lost people to draw them to repentance so regardless of what's in a lost person's heart God is going to be trying to draw them and teach them about Jesus and their sins and draw them to salvation and that's what I missed at age nine I just joined a uh, organization like joining a club the Boy Scouts or something or a civic club or something I, I liked what they said and so I, I did physically the requirements you know of saying I love the Lord and everything I got baptized and through the years then I said well, yeah I'm a Christian I ain't you know a perfect one but I'm a Christian and so a lot of times though I, I never heard in all those messages those through those years you know uh, 
a, a message or something that caused me to doubt my salvation. Now, sometimes when I sing songs like I will follow Jesus, I will follow him, wherever he leads I'll go, kind of in my mind, it must have been God speaking to me, but I would think, I'm not really trying to follow Jesus or something like that. But it didn't dawn on them in the importance of those thoughts. I thought they were just fleeting thoughts, you know. Uh, it didn't make much difference, but I could see that it probably was God speaking to me through those years of letting me know when I sang those songs that I didn't mean what I was singing. I should have checked that out, but I guess I wasn't that smart to and everything. But then when I finally turned my heart and life to the Lord in 1974, called out to him. I knew as a sinner then, I called out for salvation for him to save me or to save me, I actually thought then I was rededicating my life to the Lord, but I called out for him to forgive me of my sins and to show me he was real and to, you know, uh, change my heart and life and everything. And I'd serve him if he did and everything. Well, he he honored that. And within just a few days, my life had changed so tremendously and everything that I guess I haven't been able to stop sharing about it yet. And um, my wife is here with me today. And She's going to share a few thoughts about her salvation, too. You know, we all have different backgrounds. We all have different things that happen to us. But that doesn't mean that everybody's road leads, leads to heaven, leads to, you know, that. Unless it leads you to Jesus. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh from the Father but by me. Now, there's a lot of different circumstances in people's lives that lead us to Jesus. But we've got to come to him before we can receive salvation and then be saved. And what it means to be saved from sin is for His Spirit to come in our heart and fill our heart with His love and His Spirit because, see, sin is a separation of the heart from God. So it doesn't mean that you're even a bad person out there. Listen, you might be a bad person, but if you've never received Christ in your heart, you're still separated from God in your heart, and that is sin. So you turn to him and ask him to forgive you of all those things you did during that time. Invite him to come in and receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. And then we're saved from the penalty of sin. Because if we continue all of our life with our hearts separated from God and we die, we're going to still be separated from him throughout eternity. And that is not what God wants. God loves everybody and wants everybody to come to him. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, my wife's going to share with you now a little bit about her uh, testimony of coming to Christ. And I'll give her the headsets here. Yes, uh, I just wanted to share what happened to me. And I have a rather lengthy story about my life and testimony. But I'm just going to tell you what happened when I did receive Christ in my heart. I had gone to a treatment center, a 30-day treatment center, for drugs and alcohol. The drugs were basically prescription drugs, but they were everything you could imagine, and drinking all day. But when I went to the treatment center, I don't know whether it was the second, third day I was there, but I just surrendered my life, and I said, help, help, Lord. I want you more than I want anything in the world. Please help me. And from that time on, things just changed in my heart. I walked outside and I looked at the trees and, and just, they look different. Things look different. I volunteered to be a, um, take the people to a little church service that we had there. Everybody had a little job to do and that's what I chose to do. And just, it, the Lord just began to walk with me and show me things and, and, it was just completely different than my life had ever been. I had He took me down a road of getting rid of the spirit of suicide and cigarettes. I got rid of them, and he just kind of chopped things away in my life that was not a good thing to be in my life. But he's still working on me, and what's, what's so important is... When I was at treatment, a little lady, elderly lady I was taking care of, passed away. And when I felt this different in my heart, I thought it was a spirit. I, could, I just felt a spirit in my heart, and I thought I must have received something when she passed away. And 
as time went on, and I was telling my husband what happened, that, and and he told me that you know had nothing to do with her. That was Christ coming in my heart, and I just want to tell you how Satan can even try to deceive you on something as important as as that as Christ coming into our heart, because it had nothing to do with her death. It had to do everything with Jesus dying for us and coming in to people's life and like he did mine and it's just I'm so thankful and grateful for Christ coming in my heart and him changing my life and like my husband said he's not perfect I'm not either but we're on the road trying to follow him best we can thank you well thank you there Janie that was great you know she shared that uh the devil tried to deceive her into thinking that she had received the spirit of this lady, this friend of hers that had died while she was in there. You know, the devil do everything he can to deceive us from realizing that we received the spirit of Christ or Christ in our heart because, see, that's what Jesus did for us. The devil fought him all the way to the cross to be able to keep him from being our perfect sacrifice for those you know, to fulfill those sacrifices of the Old Testament requirements and everything. And the devil will still try to deceive people like that to keep them from realizing what Christ has done in their hearts and everything or what Christ has done into your heart or something. Some of you may have received Christ in your heart and, and not realize it. But, you know, start searching the scriptures and I'll share a little bit more about it in just a second. Janie has something to share here. Oh, I did want to share this one other thing. God has done so much in my life, but one of the the biggest in my life is that I was suicidal from the time I was 15 years old and, and until God, until he changed me. But I attempted suicide at least five times with um, pills. I had my stomach pumped and guns and different, different things. But I was on my way home to kill myself for the, for the very last time, I was going to put the car in the garage. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Janie, this is not I telling you this. And from that time on, I didn't realize it, but he delivered me from suicide. I've always felt like there was an out. I could do that. I love the Lord, but I still had that desire. And when he spoke to me, I have never, ever wanted or will or choose to commit suicide. It's just not an option in my life. And that... that that's been over 30 years ago, around 30 years ago, and I just want to say how God is so good and he can do anything for us. How did he speak to you? Well, you know, it sounded auto, but, but I, don't, I don't know. I just know and I know I heard him in my head that he, I know the exact words he said, Janie, this is not I telling you this. And at the time it sounded like it was a voice whether I just I don't really know but I, I know it was the Lord speaking to me there sometimes the Lord has spoken to me so clearly too that I know he's speaking to me and then sometimes I struggle and seek and seek and seek but anyway um, if you're out there today and having any confusion whatsoever have any doubt whatsoever that you might be saved or you know again what I mean by being saved is Romans uh, 6.23 says that um, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that separation of our heart that we're born with here as children on earth, we're going to continue to have that separation throughout eternity unless we do something about it. So when God starts teaching us and, and bringing us to the, you know, uh, in our younger years and everything, the uh, knowledge that we're separated from him and not only separated from him but because of that separation we've done a lot of evil things because see we have no foundation in our heart really for right or wrong without the spirit of god in us so people do a lot of evil things and um which we refer to like sin you know uh, hate people and it's in their heart and it grows and grows and then they kill people uh, then uh, sexual sins murder, stealing, robbery, envy, and jealousy of others, and things like this, you know, just all kind of things. If you read in that Ephesians chapter 2, the first five verses, and we were all like that in different ways. Now, maybe we didn't have the same 
uh, lust. Maybe we didn't have the same addictions and things like this. But we're all like that, separated in our heart from God. And that is what sin is. Then, because of God and his mercy. Now, this mercy of God, that unmerited favor, it talks about so often to say grace. It's not grace. Unmerited favor is Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It says that God blesses lost people to draw them to repentance, even when we're rejecting him, a heart full of sin and everything like that. He still loves us and wants to forgive us of our sins and invite him to come into our heart. Now, I'll take a short break and I'll be right back. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. being in church for 20-something years, you know, at that Baptist Children's Home, and then after I left and went to the military and got married and things like this, but after I prayed, or my prayer that night was very just skeptical. I didn't got to the point to where I didn't, I didn't know whether I believed there was God or not. I said, God, if you're really real, like that Bible says, and you want a relationship with me, Please show me, but show me in a way that I'll know it's you. I don't want some kind of just good feeling. I don't want six months from now somebody to say, well, you just had an emotional experience. I want to know that it's you because if, if, if you created me, uh, there ought to be some way that you can communicate with me and, and tell me in a way that I'll know it's you and not just my imagination. And um, see, at least those years at the children's home, all those years in church and, and knowing about God, and I believe there was God, you know, and I believe that Jesus was his son. But see, just believing that is not the answer. It'll get you to the answer, but just knowing that God is real and everything, well, like in James two nineteen, it says the devils believe and tremble, and when Jesus came in the presence of the demons, they cried out, Jesus, thou son of the most high God, why do you torment us for our time? Even the demons knew and confessed who Jesus was. They knew that he was God's son. They knew that their time was coming. They knew it wasn't yet. And uh, that he was tormenting them you know, before their time and stuff like this. Well, see, anyway, just knowing that God is real and knowing that Jesus is real, that he was God's son and things like this, is essential, yes, for salvation, but it's not salvation and just knowing it now uh and i, I told the lord that night and it's it amazed me now that he maybe even answered my prayer but I said you know i'm not going to go on feelings i want to know what you 
I'm not going to change anything I'm doing. I'm not going to quit drinking. I'm not going to quit smoking. I'm not going to quit anything till I know it's you. Because if if somehow or another, you, you know, you don't show me you're real or something like that, I'm going to go out with a blast. I was just going to give up on religion. I was going to give up on everything. And I was just going to, you know, just, just I guess, go wild. But anyway, the Lord heard a prayer like that. Heard my prayer. And by the next day, you know, like that, like she said, you know, one thing, the next day everything just looked prettier and better and everything. And I said, no, I'm not going to accept the feeling. So feelings, forget it. Uh, so, but then I was talking about my cars one day, and my wife said, you know, we need to have family cars. The children are afraid to ride in our cars because they're afraid they'll do something and you'll spank them or something. And I was sitting there, and I said, yeah, that's right. Let's get family car." And as I was saying that, all of a sudden in my mind, I couldn't believe that I was saying that and really meaning it. I wasn't doing it just to agree with her. In my heart, I really meant that. And I looked out the window, uh, on the second floor, looked out the window, and my car's down there, a, a new Lincoln Town car, real fancy. I special ordered it from the factory with the best stereo of that day and the fanciest paint. It would glow in the sunlight and everything. And right beside it, a little red uh, 57 Thunderbird with a white clip-off top, you know, and the kids love riding in that and blowing their hair and everything, and it, it squealed the tires and all five gears and stuff. I had, you know, it was a modified transmission. But anyway, I love those cars. And all of a sudden, I looked out that window. I said, that's right, we need family cars. And they were up for sale within about a week. My desire and lust of those fancy cars and stuff like this and everything had gone. I didn't know what happened inside me, but I, all of a sudden I realized just instantly, a week before that, there's not very many ways you could have got those cars from me. You'd have had to pay about five or ten times the price. You'd have had to shot me. You'd have had to steal them or something like that, because I would not have got rid of those cars voluntarily unless I got a high price for them. Now, but now all of a sudden I just wanted to sell them, get rid of them, and get something for the family. And it, it amazed me, where did that come from? Then. Um, I was sitting in there on the couch as my wife was fixing lunch one day for the kid, all of us and the kids and everything. And it was a Bible, on, you know, end table. We had Bibles all over the house all through the years, you know, like that, because I thought I was a Christian. We went to church most of the time and stuff, but I've never really read them and everything. I picked it up, and I started flipping through it, and I stopped somewhere. I don't even know where I started reading now. But whatever it was, it caught me so strong. I had trouble putting it down. It just come alive in me, and I just I hollered in the kitchen, hey, listen to this, listen to this. <laughs> My wife says, yeah, yeah. You know, she said, well, so what, you know. <laughs> she knew it was there. But to me, it had just come alive in me, and it was so fantastic that from that day till now, I've been, you know, like reading and studying God's Word and just loving it and everything. And, and that love for God's Word, you know, because, see, Christ, the living Word in me, is certainly going to love Himself through me. And so, you know, just that love for God's Word coming to me. And a day or so later, I went and opened the refrigerator for something. I looked up there, and there was my about three-fourths um, full bottle of vodka up there. And I hadn't even thought about it for a couple of days. And I looked up there, and it kind of shocked me because... I didn't have any desire for it, something like that. I started just taste to see what it, nah, I don't need that. Just poured it out, and that was the end of it. The vodka, you know, they just went, just like that, dropped it. And I'd been living on about um, uh, over a half a fifth a day or something like that, just keeping a buzz, a high buzz and everything. But I've completely forgotten about it. And uh, things like that that happened. And uh, But the one big thing that really uh, let me know, I'd had a lot of hate in my heart, a lot of hate in my heart that uh, I was living with and consumed by, and I just, you know, it was just eating me up and everything. And all of a sudden one day I thought about these people. I said, wow, they need what I found. The first words out of my mouth, that's what I thought. You know, they need, you know, to share with them and like that. And then it dawned on me, that, man, just a couple of days ago, you just want to kill the guys. And, you know, to go from so much hate to a love for them, to want to tell them about the changed heart and changed life, that, and then all of a sudden it just flooded in on me like that. 
that's God in me, that's Christ in me, that, you know, this is what it means, you know, to have a changed heart, changed life, and to go from all this ugly sin and and things of the flesh and desires of cars and fancy houses and all these things, that was removed from me, and in the place of it was put God's love. And that's what... Uh, Ezekiel 36, 26 is talking about when it says, God says, A new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart, the stony heart, that heart of flesh and that heart of drinking and sex and smoking and drugs and cars, fancy cars and things like this. I'll take away that stony heart out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit of love in you. Here he just says, I will put his spirit in us. But see, God is love. And any name we call him by, spirit of truth, spirit of uh, faith, or whatever, it's still God. And God is love. And when he put his love in me, and I all of a sudden dawned on me and recognized me that all that hate had been taken out, I felt so much better. It was just like lifting a burden. Because I tell you, when you're eat up with hate and lust, you're burdened down. You're burdened down more than you know it. I was so full of fear, so full of uh, hate and lust and everything like that. It, it was just like a ball and chain, a ball and chain tied to you and it was shackled and, you know, and, and just trapped. And all that set free. And that's what Jesus meant when he come to free the prisoners, to free them, you know, everything. And I can see that now because we were prisoners to all that sin and hurt and everything. Now, what must you do to be saved? It's just in simply, like I did that night. It, you know, it may not be that drastic in your case. You may be a very good person, doing the best you can to live, best neighbor, and going to church and things like I did all the years. But if you can't be for sure that you've received the Spirit of Christ in your heart to create a new heart, a new life, the change in your heart, like it says in Galatians 4, 6, And because your sons God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Daddy, Father, wherefore you no more a servant but a son, if a son, then heir of God through Christ. If you can't just really know for sure like that, like in James 1, it says that we're grafted into the family of God. We're grafted. Uh, it says here, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness, superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafting word, see the engrafting word, the living word of God, which is able to save your souls. And when he says the living word, in Hebrews chapter um, 4, verse 2, it says the you know that living word that we receive in us, it says, For unto us was the gospel, you know, the living words of the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, see, that's what we have to do. Knowing that Jesus is real, knowing that Jesus died for us, and he was, you know, uh, our perfect sacrifice and everything, and that he wants to come live in our heart, that is not salvation. Just knowing all that is The response to it determines like it said there in Hebrews 4, 2, not being mixed with faith. Well, what is faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. But only if you accept what you hear into your heart, because if you reject it, then that's where unbelief comes from. Unbelief comes from when you hear it. Second Thessalonians 2, 10 says that um, the people perish because they reject the love of the truth. So when you hear God's message of salvation, when you hear God's message of Jesus and what he's done for us and everything, and then you reject that from your heart, that's why people perish. All you have to do is just open your heart and say, Lord, like like Janie said a while ago, she said that um, she just called out and said, I want you more than anything. Well, Second Corinthians chapter two, no, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen, it says, When the heart of man turns to the Lord, the veil of separation between God and the person's heart is removed. That veil of separation. And that's what she did and said, I, God, I just want you more than anything. Well, that was the heart turning to God. Total, complete. And it says in Jeremiah 29 and 13, You shall seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. See, just crying out help like she did. God, I want you more than anything. Uh, a drunk down, you say, skid row or something like that, you know, just crying out, Oh, God, help. See, God answers heart language. 
and it's not his will that any should perish. So when a heart cries out to him, he's there ready and willing to forgive and to forget our sins and to remember them against us no more. All you have to do is just call out to the Lord right now. It doesn't have to be perfect words because I know, well, I guess mine was perfect words and that it sounds like my prayer was terrible, you know, but it was perfect enough for me that God heard and answered and praise the Lord. You know, he's, he's, he forgave me and come into my heart. So I guess it was perfect there, all it needed to be. And then, and then Janie did such a different way. She just said, you know, oh, God, I want you more than anything in that treatment center. And then God heard and answered. And then the devil tried to deceive her so much then, you know, and the, thinking that, you know, that it wasn't didn't have anything to do with Jesus, didn't have anything to do with God. It was the spirit of the friend that died and everything. See, the devil will do everything he can to tempt you. Now, if you're listening this morning and you have this desire maybe, but you're thinking about, well, I'll wait till I get out of college. That, that'll be a big commitment. I'll wait till I get out of this um, fun-type lifestyle I'm in. Oh, wait till I get, you know, married or wait till I get uh, through sowing my wild oats or all kind of, if the devil can convince you to just wait a little while, it's not that important. What will happen is he'll keep convincing you of that because once you've set yourself in the wrong direction and made that choice to turn from the great love of God, the great love he wants to put in your heart and creating you the new heart and new life, once you see that, well, I've don't really want that now. I want to continue with these lusts or some like these things in my heart. I haven't completely fulfilled what I want to do. See, once the devil gets you to go in that way, you'll you'll never, probably never, get to the point where now I'm ready. Or you may be saying, I want to clean up my life first. No, you can't clean up your life. You can't clean up your life because you can't get it straightened out. The devil will never let you get your life straightened out if you think you can do it yourself without God and then go to God. No, you can't clean up your life good enough to go to God anyway, you know, even if you were able to try to change some things. Right now, surrender your heart and life to the Lord and just call out, God, please help me. Please forgive me of my sins. Put your spirit in me, creating me the new heart, new life, and I just trust in you with all of this and invite him to come in, see. Then he will help you clean it up. God helped me clean up things so quick in my life. You know, I was amazed, taking away that alcohol, taking away all that hate for those people and and, and just, you know, setting me on the right track. The first time I opened the Bible, it just came alive in me. And like it says, let's see, what is it, Isaiah Thirty-four, sixteen. God says, Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. And well, when I picked that up the first time started reading it, he met me there and just put a joy in my heart as I was reading his word. And it's great because he, it's not just black and white words on a page anymore. When his spirit is in us, he lifts those words off the page and he shows us what they mean. And he tells us when people say they can't understand the King James Version, the only reason is because you really aren't reading it to understand. You're just reading it to be reading it, maybe. But once you have the Spirit of Christ in your heart, you can understand the King James Version. You can understand, you know, the NIV, the, any of them, you know, like that. Because it's the Spirit of God there that's going to be lifting off the page, coming to you and sharing it with you. And if you have a desire to understand it, He'll give you understanding. And I tell these young people that I meet so often that have never even been in church, that never, I said, and I give them a Bible, and I said, I said, just read it. Don't try to read it to be a preacher. Just try to read it to enjoy between you and the Lord. I said, start in Proverbs or Psalms or something like that. And I said, if you get to a place where you don't understand it, keep right on going and don't bother about it. I said, because God is the one that gives us understanding. And if he lets you read across that and you don't understand it, then you don't need to right then. Don't worry about it. That's his job. Your job is to make yourself open and available for him to fill you with his word. And so if you don't understand something, just keep right on going, praying, and seeking, and he'll give you understanding when you need to have the understanding. Don't be afraid of the scripture that, well, I can't understand it. I'm too dumb to read this, or I don't know anything about it, something like that. Now, we weren't all born like that, you know, of, of knowing some of the scriptures and things like that come by reading and him giving us that understanding and he'll give you that understanding too it's not god's will that any should perish but to all come to repentance and turn to him 
Now, and so a lot of people, before they come to the Lord, do have a lot of bad things in their heart, bad things they've done, bad memories and stuff like this. Uh, we need to be reading and studying God's Word like it's, the Scripture says in Apostle Paul in Romans 12, 2. It says, uh, be ye not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's things we need to do like that, you know, because God heals, changes our heart and everything, but he doesn't change our mind that much, you know. Now, he gives us different attitudes in us and everything to help support and give us a foundation, but we still have a lot of memories of the past that might, you know, uh, get in the way. And the Apostle Paul had even killed Christians. He had, you know, killed and persecuted them, threw them in jail, men, women, children, everything. So he had a lot of bad memories that he had to deal with. But he says, you know, like in uh, Philippians, think on those things that are pure and holy and good. And if there's anything trustworthy and, you know, righteous like that, think on those things. He's saying, take control of your mind. And, you know, like it, I just read, I just gave to you in Oh, Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed as well, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Make an effort. And then like he says again, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, says, If ye be risen with Christ, then seek those things above. Set. Now see, that's things we have to seek. And we have to set your affections on things above, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. See, so what he's saying is, you know, like, if, if you're a Christian, once you receive Christ in your heart, act like it. Act like it. Set your affections in the right directions. You know, we have a lot of choices we have to make afterwards, even though we have the Spirit of Christ in our heart. You know, He doesn't make us serve Him. Um, in fact, in First Corinthians chapter 3, I think it is, uh, where it says that at the judgment seat of Christ, where we're supposed to get our rewards. You hear a lot about that from the ministers on TV and radio and other things. We get our rewards and our crowns and things like this. But it says that every man shall answer for the good and bad. And it says if, uh, you know, it will be tried as by fire. And if your works are all burned away as bad, it says you'll still be saved as by fire. Uh, see, because once Christ creates in us a new heart, new life, there's no provision to uncreate it. We will always have that new heart, new life, and Christ in us. In fact, Jesus says, for all that the Father gives him, brings to him, he will not lose any. But now, we can go to heaven, you know, like that, and still not have very many good works. Because like right now, how many of you have shared with someone about the Lord in the last couple of weeks? That is that you don't know people you met, uh, service stations or grocery stores, things like this, or restaurants or things. Uh, not just your friends and things, when you're in church sharing about the Lord. But how many of you have done that? How many of you have been witnessed to by someone that you don't know, that you've never met before, and they met you at a service station like that? See, there's not much witnessing and sharing and things like that going on in our community because so many people aren't rejoicing in their salvation. Psalms 116 uh, I think it's about verse 15. It says, What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? He says, I'll take the cup of salvation. The first thing the psalmist thinks of, I'll take the cup of salvation, call upon the name of the Lord, and share my vows, pay my vows now unto all the people. That is, you know, we promise him our life, our heart and everything to, to share and go. And that's what we need to be seeking to do. And, and to say, well, I've never done that before. Well, see, all of us have a first time to do something. But, see, we got to trust that the Lord will go with us and help us and guide us as we do those things for the first time. First time you lead a devotional, you know, you, you could be very nervous and shaky. Or you could just be on fire wanting to share with people something. <laughs> see, um, I don't think I've been too embarrassed about that before. I've made mistakes and everything. But I tell you, I've never turned down that I can remember an opportunity to share for the Lord. And now, I have missed opportunities or drugged my feet so long, like in public or something like that, or sometime to where I'd miss an opportunity. And I'd feel so bad, so convicted. Lord, please forgive me. You know, after all those things that suffering you went through for me and everything, and I failed to speak up, please forgive me and give me another chance. See, now, when, when we do something like that, God is not there saying you're a bad person, you're so terrible and everything like this. 
he's encouraged to say, okay, you know, and he'll help us the next time to do better and help us to grow. But now there's a difference between guilt and conviction. God's conviction is that we should have spoken up, you know, and, and he'll help us do it and, and help us to grow to become more like him and everything. But now guilt is from the devil. The devil will come in if you feel guilty about things this morning. He'll tell you what a lousy person you are and you know, what a terrible person you are. And, you know, you just you aren't you know, just worth it. You shouldn't you shouldn't think that the spirit of Christ would come into your heart. You know, you've done things too bad or something like this. No, those are just lies of the devil because God blesses lost people to draw them to repentance. And um, let me just read that verse to you because some of you might not believe it and I'm always meeting people that just think they're so bad that, that God wouldn't even forgive them everything but it says or despise thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance and if anybody has any type of desire to know God or you know just curious you know, like that that desire is there because God has helped you and put that desire in you He's not giving up on you. If you have that desire, he loves you so much that Jesus died for him. He gave his son to die for you. And Jesus gave his life a perfect walk of faith in fighting the devil, you know, through his temptations and everything and resisting those temptations. And then he sprinkled his blood seven times on the cross, his two feet, his two hands, the thorns in his head from the crown, stripes on his back, and they plucked his beard. Seven ways in his body he was bleeding, giving his life blood, suffering for us on the cross as he was dying there to fulfill all of sacrifice in the Old Testament without sin because see, they had arrested him illegally, they had tried him illegally, and he had a lot of things he could have argued back, but he didn't. Philippians 2.14 says, do all things without complaining and arguing. Well, see, he didn't argue there. He didn't um, violate that. He left it in his Father's hands because he loved us so much. So you can't have done anything that he can't forgive. You can't do anything that he won't forgive and forget because he doesn't hold them against us anymore. He forgives our sins, forgets them. Then he puts his Spirit in us. We become a child of God. And throughout eternity, and we're uh, with the Spirit of Christ in us. When we die now, our physical body just falls away from us and our spirit, we just continue in the Lord. We don't have that separation that Jesus had on the cross and he took our sins when he cried out, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He was left alone on the cross to die for our sins alone. The man Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, God, left his heart and he died on the cross to be our scapegoat to take our sins away and we never have to have that separation again in our heart from God just call out even like Janie said she did she said God I just want you more than anything come into my heart you know like that God answers a truthful heart seeking him just a simple honest prayer right now Lord please forgive me come into my heart and save me and I commit my life to you from my honest heart God will hear and answer and change your heart. Keep seeking and praying until you know for sure that Christ lives in your heart. Good day, and God bless you. I'm going to share a couple of messages now on uh, fear and also on predestination to heaven or hell. That is untrue. No one is predestined to heaven or hell. We have to each choose Jesus by our own will. Now, so... Uh, I'll start with fear first. And you know, as Christians, we have a new heart from God and the Spirit of Christ, God's power in us. God is love, and His Spirit is in our hearts. In John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love, God, casts out fear, because fear is torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love or God yet. So in James 4, 4, 7, the scripture says, Submit therefore to God, or his spirit in you. Resist the devil, fear, and he, the devil in fear, will flee from you. When you start getting apprehensive about something, like starting to fly or a storm coming, looking ahead at what might happen to you in your job, your health, don't just worry and think about these future events, or maybe something that you're even going through right now. Philippians 4, 6 says, when you start getting anxious, turn to God then by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. 
your request and your concerns be known to God. Worrying won't help you one bit, but it will cause you to miss God's blessings to you during that time. So, choose, make the choice yourself to set yourself in submission to God in prayer, talking to God, and counting your blessings from past things, experiences with God. Then watch the devil and fear flee from you. Now, always let your anxiety be a red flag to remind you to pray. God loves you. He will hear you. And in First Colossians one twenty-seven, Christ in us, our hope of glory. So have a good day. God bless you. And be set free. John three sixteen seventeen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, my revision is this for John 3.16. For God so loved the people of the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that Jesus should endure the loneliness, the suffering of the perfect walk of faith, and the painful sufferings of his seven sprinklings of his blood on the cross, by the crown of thorns, the plucking of his beard, the nails in his two feet, the nails in his two hands, and the terrible stripes on his back, that Jesus would go through all this suffering. God allowed these sufferings in his mercy so that all of God's already pre-elected and predestined people prior to birth to die and go to heaven, that they would actually die and go to heaven. That sounds so ridiculous. If only predestined or elected people prior to their birth go to heaven, then there would have been no need for the work and suffering of Jesus. No one's destiny would or will ever be changed by Jesus' suffering and death on the cross for our sins and salvation, because everything required for our salvation would have already been done prior to our birth by God's act of electing and predestining us to heaven or hell before birth. After God has predestined us to heaven or hell, there would be no need or no more to be done in heaven and earth. It would already be finished before our birth. So what's happening here is the devil hates Jesus so much that he's come up with this Calvinist, devilish, deceived theology that would have us think that we're predestined or elected prior to birth to go to heaven or hell and that would make all the suffering and work of Jesus as our Savior totally unnecessary, totally worthless, and Jesus totally useless. For his life and death on the cross would not change anything prior to, you know, people dying and going to heaven or hell because it's already been done by God predestining and electing them to heaven or hell before we were born. See how ridiculous that is? Good day. God bless you. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up.
God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. 